We're looking today at a very, actually a very long portion of a long parable, the lost son. We know this is the prodigal son, one of the great passages in Scripture. And uh, we only have about uh, 25 minutes, so I'm going to do the best I can, but we may finish maybe next week. But this is just an awesome portion of Scripture. And we've been talking about the first two parts of this parable, the lost sheep, one of a hundred, the lost silver, one of ten, and now the lost son, one of two, Luke 15. Luke 15. I like what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 46. He said, for if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? He's rebuking the Pharisees. Because they were critical. What were they critical of? The fact that Jesus cared about people they didn't like. The publicans and the sinners, variety of sin, I'm sure. And so he said, blessed are those that love people without getting anything in return. He said, there's no reward. And Luke, our wonderful Gentile physician, is sharing this ninth parable from Perea, which means outside of Galilee. We went through the Galilean parables, and now we're in the Perean parables. And we know there's one main truth, and the main truth here is it's a story of compassion, caring for one. And this is all about spiritual blindness. Why is he telling this story? He's telling this story because he's confronted by the Pharisees about the people he's running around with. So stand with me. We'll just read a brief portion. Verse 1, Then drew unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth them. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, We've already covered the lost sheep, the lost coin, down to verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. God bless us. Thank you for this time together. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Any Sunday night and Wednesday night, you can ask questions about the merge, give testimonies, or other Bible questions. Tonight, I won't take any Bible questions because we have too much to do, but normally. All right. Here we look at this wonderful passage of what we call the prodigal son. And this is not a story about um, really just about him. It's a story about the Pharisees. It's also a story about the older brother who's jealous and angry because his mind is all on finances and he's jealous and so forth. It's not a story about a backslider who leaves the family and comes back. It's a story about a lost son. A lost son. Just like the coin was lost and the sheep was lost, he's lost not just physically, but he's lost spiritually. And that's the teaching here. And so he's humiliated, he's hungry, he's homesick. He, 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 he started out living high in the hog. He, he went to his dad and said, I want my inheritance now. Now by law, Deuteronomy 21, the older son would get two-thirds and the younger son would get a third. That's, that's the law. So his older brother would get two-thirds. What does his dad do? His dad, dad gives him a third. This is not a true story. Remember, a parable is not a true story. But boy, does it illustrate truth. He gives him a third, and he goes out, and he thought, man, I'm living high on the hog. I mean, he's living the life, but learned that pigs may be good for Gentiles to eat, 
They're not good to eat with. And guess what he's eating? He's eating the pig slop. That's right. That's what he's eating. He's blown all his money. We don't know on what his brother said. It was on riotous living, which includes, we, we suspect, alcohol, women, and all that. And that's what we suppose were those words in the Bible. But we don't know if his brother's accurate, but he certainly wasn't living right. And he's, he's humiliated now. He's, he's hungry. He's homesick. He's been eaten with the pigs. And it dawned on him that everything he's been seeking is at home with the Father. You know the world, they're out there seeking, 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 and everything they're looking for is with God. <laughs> you want a better relationship with the person you're in love with? God. You want your needs provided? God. I mean, we could go down the list, couldn't we? You want relationships restored? The Lord. God. And, and, and that's, that's what the world misses. I was amazed um, at, you know, uh, uh, all the different people who've come forward and said, you know, I have a sense of emptiness. I've heard that, uh, I've heard that from Madonna. I've heard that from Dennis Rodman. And someone said Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time, told someone, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. And the rock song, I can't find, I can find, I can't find no satisfaction and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I mean, we can turn if we want, we're not going to, we're saved, but we can turn to drugs and alcohol and picking up women and we can turn to all that if we want to, but we find out there's no satisfaction. There's momentary happiness, and then there's emptiness and guilt. And so here he is now. He says, what am I doing? He has sin, he has shame, but he'll finally get sonship. All we like sheep have gone astray. You know, I, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but te Scripture teaches that when you're born into this world, you're made in the image of God. Doesn't take too long for that image to be scarred and marred. But you're made like God. And you have a conscience when you're a little kid, and your conscience says there's a God. I remember before I was saved, I was a Cub Scout, back before they changed. I think there's still a lot of good Cub Scouts and good organizations, but unfortunately, a lot of things have happened. And I remember going out one time, we went on a camping trip, and I was out in the woods, and all I thought about was God. I looked up and thought, and God definitely exists. And back then, Cub Scouts, the leaders were Christians, so they talked about the Lord. It wasn't just a secular organization. They were allowed to say what they felt about the Lord. And, and so I went to bed that night, and I, I, I looked up for a while outside the little tent, and then I went inside and went to sleep. And all as I laid there, I was thought about God. God. God's there. He's real. I didn't know God. I was just a kid. And... <clears throat> I remember thinking thoughts about God. God has a plan for me. I, I, I'm, I'm God's child. I wasn't saved yet, but all those thoughts were in my mind. And when I do things with my friend Charlie and get in trouble, I'd feel bad. I had a hard time facing my dad and mom. And I knew there's something in this world. And my conscience said, there's a God. and You need to know him. And I had guilt. You know, the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. You know what happens? We get to a place 
where we are accountable. We understand God. We understand we're lost. Now someone maybe has shared the message with us. And we yet, we, we don't necessarily make a decision because we're enjoying some of the things we're enjoying. And we don't know if we want to change. And we're under conviction. But we can actually get to a place where our conscience is seared. And guess what? All we like sheep have what? Now we've reached the age of accountability and we're lost. We're lost. This son is lost. He's, he's, he realizes his sin. He realizes his shame. And he does the wise thing. He goes home. And, and like I said, I'm not going to promise you that I won't preach this someday because we've taught it on a Wednesday night. This is just too good to not come back to someday. Uh, but I get excited. I may end up preaching tonight. But he, he, his inheritance was now gone. And here he is, the Bible says, in verse 12, drop down to verse 12, um, the Bible said, God, his father divided unto him all his living. That's an interesting Greek word if you want to know. It's our word bios. We get our word biography or biology from that. So he's got all of his living, and he wasted on riotous living. And now he's without. Look at verse 13. The Bible says he wasted it on riotous living. The last line. He went to a far country, blew it. He blew it all. All of a sudden, on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now that word want, that Greek word is translated lacking, or he lacked in Mark. So now all of a sudden he's lacking. The word want, we don't use it today like they used it in 1611, but he's now lacking. He doesn't have anything. He's hungry. In fact, we know several things about him. His shoes are worn out. His clothes are worn out. And he's saying, why don't I just go to the Father? He says in verse 17, verse 16, he, he would fain having filled his belly with a husk of the swine. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, I, I like that, he came to himself. You know, that's a cute expression in the Bible. There's also in the Bible, he's beside himself. Did you know that's in the Bible? Here he came to himself. There are also people who talk to themselves. <laughs> but he came to himself and he realized, he said, self, <laughs> I'm an idiot. If I go to the Father, He'll provide. He'll provide. He said, He's got enough. He said, He's got enough to spare. If not, I'll perish with hunger. He said, My father's servants had, have bread enough to spare. My dad's, my father's servants, they have more food than I have. What am I doing? What have I done with my life? And then verse 8, 18 is where his heart is getting right. I like this. He says, and I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. He sinned against heaven. He sinned against his father. I like what David said. Against thee only have I sinned. Are you aware of the fact that when you sin, you hurt God? God has emotions, doesn't he? Jesus what? Wept. Second, shortest verse in English, second in Greek. Jesus wept. Jesus 
is sorrowful. It hurts Jesus when we sin. David said, primarily is what he meant, I sinned against you, God. We also sin against our family, our husbands, our wives, our children. And we've got to think about the fact that our children and grandchildren are watching our lives because we can sure ruin them by living a life like this man lived or a life of hypocrisy. He says in verse 19, verse 20, am I, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. This is what he's saying to himself, and he's going to go say that to his dad. But here's what I like. His dad, who's a type of the father, a heavenly father, knows everything, right? Does God know everything? So his dad already knows his heart because he's a type of the father. So he never has to actually say this. The father already knows. <laughs> Do you know when D.L. Moody said one time, when people get saved, are they saved because they get down there and pray, pray a prayer? No. You know when they're saved? When in their heart, they step out. I'm lost. I'm going down front to get saved. They've already made a decision in their heart. The prayer we pray with them is just confirmation of what God's already done. I, I want to emphasize, so many people are dependent on something they prayed, and that's okay if their prayer was sincere, if their heart was changed. That's all okay. But how many people do we know made one of these prayers one time. We've never seen them in church. We've never seen a change. There's nothing about them that points to Christ that's always concerning to me. I didn't. Even, I baptized my four sons, one in the Panama Canal, right where our black lab was eaten by a gator. But I remember baptizing them there, and the guy said, last week I came and got a black lab, and you're baptizing people there. I just kept baptizing. Kind of dumb, but I was a zealous young guy, remember? So... Anyway, I lost my train of thought. But my point is, my kids don't remember their baptism, and it really bothered me. None of them can remember getting baptized. They were all baptized like five. I thought, with my daughter, I'm not doing that. So she's like nine years old, and she's like, when can I get baptized? I've been saved. I want to get... She remembers hers. <laughs> but I mean, we, we sometimes push kids into baptism. And I think it's good when God lays it on their heart, I want to go in the water. Remember the story of the eunuch? I'm way off the subject. I'm way off the subject. I'm now back from Ethiopia to Jerusalem with the Ethiopian eunuch. He said, what hinders me from getting baptized? I like that because he wanted to get baptized. But anyway, here, here um, he says, I'm going to say this to my father. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, and he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. If that isn't awesome. When I preach this, I get really worked up. Because it's not really customary for an old man to wrap his garments around him and run. Look at how much this is about God or like God. He didn't say go shower first. No, just as I am. Sometimes we want people to come to church, but we really think, well, you know, that person smells bad. Or that person's the town drunk. Or he's gay. I really don't want to invite him. Shame on all of us. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That person's as important as you were in your lost position. And so his father runs to meet him. And he kisses him. This is so compassionate. And of course, they kiss that's customary then. And he says, 
And the son said in him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father, notice the word but. The father didn't say, all right, yeah, go ahead and repent. You know, you know, make this. The father just totally moved ahead with his agenda. He knew the son's heart was right because he's a type of God. What does he do? But, that's a word of transition. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. What a type here. In my robe of white one day, I'll fly away, you know. What, what a, what a type here. Bring the best robe. Not any robe. Clean him up before you put clean clothes on him, because I don't want the clothes soiled. No, no, that wasn't it. Bring the best robe. Number two, put it on him and put a ring on his hand. And that would be the signet ring. In other words, you have all the authority now as a child of mine. Do you know what God says to us when we're saved? All power is given unto you. That word power is a Greek word authority. We're also told we have dynamite in Acts 1.8. We we're given all the authority. We, we have anything we ask in Jesus' name, if it's according to His will, will be granted to us. We're given all that authority. We have the keys to the kingdom. He says, put the signet ring. In Okinawa, I had a, a signet that we would use to stamp papers. When I was gone, they could use my signet. They didn't need me. They had this thing. to stamp this thing. And the Japanese was Dan Mao, and it was stamp papers. Well, they probably still have it, may still use it. It was authority. It was authoritative. Then you, you get the ring, and then he says, and put shoes on his feet. He obviously was barefoot, or his shoes were worn out. Now, remember, by law, when you're in the presence of God, what do you have to do? Huh? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. But God makes him a son and says, put shoes on his feet. I love that. And bring the hither the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and be merry. He didn't say get one of the, you know, we just had a feast the other day and we were kind of running low on the good quality sheep. No. Get the best. Get the best. We're going to celebrate. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. What a great story. But as Paul Harvey said, there's the rest of the story. But he says, for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And that's probably all the further we should go tonight. But boy, the rest of the story is really something. Because the older brother, he's so, he's so much like the Pharisees. And here Jesus is telling the story to the Pharisees. Remember the scribes and Pharisees. He's told them this three-part story. The lost coin, the lost sheep, now the lost son. And we'll go a little bit further because we have a few minutes. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. I mean, they're... They're celebrating. Now, they're not dancing disco, shaking their booty. 
the Jews, if you ever watch, and I, I, I watched this at home, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, I understand when it was in the theater, it wasn't as clean and pure as it was on TV, but what a great movie to watch, how the Jews just constantly are praising the Lord. Now, if we start doing this at Baptist church, people probably get upset, but they praised the Lord. They danced into the Lord. So here they are, they're dancing. They're dancing. They're celebrating. He sees this. He hears this. And he called one of the servants and asked, what, what, what's going on? That's my paraphrase. What's going on? He said, your brother's home and your dad's killed a fatted calf. He's received him safe and sound. And, and you would think, now the role of the older brother was actually to, to mediate in family disputes. An older brother got the double inheritance, but he had a lot of responsibility. You read that in the patriarchs with Joseph, Joseph's older brothers. You find other places in Scripture. The older brother was responsible to be a leader in the home. He would actually dispute, solve disputes between siblings and between children and their dad. He was like a mediator. Not this one. Not this one. He's upset. Angry. And... Uh, Therefore came his father and entreated him. Hey, come on, come on. This word entreat is translated beseech. It means to exhort or encourage. His dad's begging him, come on, come on, join the celebration. Your brother's home. But he's angry. And he answered and said to his father, all these years I've served you and I've done everything you've told me to do. You never gave me a party like you never had a big feast like this that I might make merry with my friends. So he's jealous. He's angry. He's jealous. He's just like the Pharisees. You know, they were so jealous of Jesus' disciples. And they were so jealous of John the Baptist and so jealous of Jesus. I mean, this is a great passage. I mean, I, I just... Just thrilled to share it with you. But he says, you've never done this for me. But as soon as your son comes home and he devoured his living, look at it, he says, with harlots. Well, he didn't really know that. Maybe that's true. Scholars debate this. A lot of scholars say he must have been with harlots. A lot of them say, no, that's what the brother said. That's just like the scribes and Pharisees always accuse Jesus. You know, they accuse Jesus of being a bastard. You remember that? Because Mary has a child and they're not married yet. Of course, they didn't understand. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. But so here he said, son, you're always with me in verse 31. And it's, it's, it's necessary. It's meat. It was meat that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. End of the story. Remember we said this three-part parable was all about the importance of one. And here, the lesson here, how we should rejoice. How we should rejoice. I think one of the big battles in our lives as Christians is the green-eyed monster. Somebody in church hits the jackpot. <laughs> I guess i got to clarify what I mean by jackpot. <laughs> somebody in church has something happen great to them. And sometimes we think, 
It's never happened to me. You know, I don't understand it. Why? That's never happened to me. What? What's going on? Why has that happened to him? Why is she better looking than I am? Why is that kid a star athlete? None of my kids are star athletes. I actually can't say that. Mine were, but I'm sure there were people jealous of my sons who won four state championships in basketball. They beat Macaulay and Brandon and all these teams. And boy, I was a big-headed dad. Never thought about the kids in the band. And I don't need to preach another sermon on my pride and you know that, but we are green with envy, aren't we, sometimes? And sometimes it's even our own sibling. I'm I'm just so thankful for God's goodness to me. Oh, there's things I wished I had, and I look at other people and say they have it, but this is just an awesome portion of Scripture. He didn't feel worthy, and that made him worthy, didn't it? And we know the story is, is so deep and in the last page, you can write something out later. I've, I've asked you on this last page, who do you relate to the most? The older brother, the younger brother, the father, or the Pharisees? And I don't have two of those in there. But I think we can find ourselves somewhere in here. We always need to examine our hearts when we share the Scripture, don't we? You know, don't think about someone else in church. Pastor preached this. This is really good for Jim. Or good for Mike back there. No, it's for you. I don't know your heart. But he does. Examine your heart. God bless us. Thank you for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.